Talking sports as they report Back and forth from their home court They talk the sports if you're not sure They talk of sports and then talk more About all sports East, West, South, North Ryan talks sports Andrew retorts And George will hear as they both sort Through all the sports they both support The Walk-Ons What's up guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons podcast Today is Thursday, May 13th And as always, we've got a fantastic show for you guys today Actually, check that We've got an all-time show for you today We'll hit all the major news this week from around the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. But what's really going to put today's show over the top is our guest, an absolute legend, one of the greatest baseball players to ever live. It's Charlie Hustle himself. Pete Rose is joining us today. So a lot more on that later. But Andrew, let's go NBA really quickly as we kind of wind down here into, uh, into the playoff race. It seems like we know pretty much who the 20, yes, 20 postseason teams are going to be. What do you make of kind of these last, this last week of games here and how things are shaping up going into the play-in tourney and then into the actual round of 16? Well, I think what's really interesting is, is as much as people are complaining about the playing game, look at all the interest that's generated and the fact that we will potentially have, you know, two-thirds to 75% of the league playing with something on the line this last week. And that's not even counting the playing games themselves yet. I mean, I'm not even joking and you're going to like this. Can you imagine? I think that Warriors-Lakers playing game might be the best game, single game rating in, in, for the whole season. Look out now. The Warriors are hot. They've won four of six, four in a row, six of the last seven. They beat the Jazz and the Suns in back-to-back nights. I mean, Steph is unstoppable. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love nothing more than to see Warriors-Lakers and Warriors just upsetting the Lakers and ending their season early. That would be as sweet as they come. Yeah, and I'd be on I'd be on board with that for you for a night only. I'd be a Warriors fan, but the thing is like they're they're complaining about all these playing game stuff, and that game I guarantee you is going to get insane ratings. And just because of that, the NBA is going to be like this game's not going anywhere. Yeah, I guess that's the interesting thing, right? I mean, we mentioned this offline where I feel like the play-in tournament would have made more sense last year, right? When there was kind of a truncated season, and you kind of try there were still a lot of teams sort of fighting for for spots in the postseason this year it feels a little bit forced I guess I mean outside of the intrigue yes it's going to be awesome it's going to be great one or two night ratings for the for these games but you know does it feel like this is maybe doing a disservice to the game in general I mean is this something that we're going to see going forward you you'd mentioned Andrew maybe just an eight nine play in would make more sense I mean what do you think of actually having 10 teams on in each conference, I guess, having a chance, right, at the trophy, right? Because everybody who's in has, has got a chance, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, we said it last week, 10 teams is too much, especially in both conferences. Um, I mean, I think there is value to having an eight, nine playing game. Um, as we just talked about, like there really is incentive to having more teams invested in playing their players actually the last week of the season. Um, though I, I think the thing that could like kind of solve some of these issues is something that's been brought up for a long time is just, is there a way to reseed the whole league? Cause I think it's really tough when you have 10 Eastern conference teams. And I think objectively we can say after those top six teams, those, you know, seven through 10 are dud teams that would, wouldn't even make a dent in a Western conference playoffs. So is there a way where we could like maintain the play-ins in the sense that there's 18 teams in play, but kind of reseed it. Cause I, I think the Western conference is still just so much more dominant that, it's unfair to the 11 seed Western conference team compared to say the eight seed Eastern conference team. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's been the narrative really for the last decade, right. Is the, is the East being a weaker conference than the West. And I mean, just looking at the, at the standings right now, there's not a single team 
seven through 10 in the East that's above 500. Boston's there at seven at 35 and 35. The rest of the teams are at least three games under or more. In the West, there's only one team, San Antonio at the 10, that's three games under. So I do think that, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about trying to actually make the, the best teams make the postseason, yeah, you got to reseed all of them. But I certainly don't see that being something that's actually going to be a valid, you know, idea from the NBA standpoint. Do you? No, it's, it's not going to happen. And the only way I could ever see it rehappening is if they expanded the league and then reformatted how they did the conferences and did it more like the NFL. Um, yeah, but when okay. it's still just geographical, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 I think there's, there's a lot to kind of be ironed out here from the NBA standpoint. I will applaud them because I do think, again, it's going to be a very exciting one or two nights from the play-in. But, yeah, then you can go ahead and wake me up in the semifinals because I just don't care about a, a one versus eight, seven-game series. I mean, it's just there's – not, there's not a lot of intrigue there. I mean, now, granted, if, if the Warriors end up as an eight seed, I mean, that's an interesting – I do think they match up better with Utah than maybe, say, Phoenix in the two. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I think it's going to kind of be – I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's here to stay or not, but I, I, I'm excited to see it. So we won't belabor the point and beat that dead horse while he, he's, uh, he's six feet under. But um, let's uh, – actually, we've got Charlie Hustle here coming, and I cannot wait to get into this interview. So we're going to wrap this thing early, this first segment. We're going to get right into Pete Rose coming up next. Don't go anywhere. All right, our guest today joins us on behalf of youpicktrade.com. He is one of the most prolific hitters in the game of baseball – in the history of the game of baseball, excuse me, a 17-time All-Star, three-time batting champ, three-time World Series champ, World Series MVP, the all-time hit king, Charlie Hustle himself, number 14, Pete Rose joins us today. Pete, how are you? I'm great, guys. I'm sitting here in Vegas and anxious to do your show and uh, just got through watching Atlanta get beat. They got swept by Toronto, which is which is hard to believe when they're playing at home, but uh I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I love the game of baseball, and I love to talk about the game of baseball. But baseball is boring today, isn't it? The way they're playing the game? It is. It, it seems like, Pete, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to get your take on that. I mean, it, it's kind of that all-or-nothing league now, right, where you either guys are striking out at historic rates or home runs. There's no balls put in play. I mean, what, what do you make of the state of baseball today? That certainly would never have happened in, in your, your era. Well, we, we had home run hitters, but we also had guys that could hit. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't play home run or nothing. Like, like last week, the Reds had a game in Cincinnati. There were 10 home runs hit in the game. Last week in Chicago, all right, the Dodgers had two guys in the lineup that knocked in 15 runs. Who ever heard of that? One guy knocked in eight, one guy knocked in seven. I mean, in one game, there's 15 RBIs by two guys. I mean, that gets to be kind of boring because all guys are waiting for it. They don't care. The guys today don't care if they strike out because most of them have multi-year contracts. It don't matter if you strike out a hundred times. Right. They feel it's like hard. they're getting paid to hit home runs, right? As you hit 30, well, I don't know if there's anybody paid to hit home runs. <laughs> I, I would think that you're paid to win games. Okay. Yeah. That's what I would pay guys for, to win games. That's why you play the game. And there's so many teams, 500 or right around 500. We don't have to bad mouth teams. You know who the good teams are. And right now, some of the good teams, did you expect uh, Boston to be where they are? Did you, did you expect Kansas City to be where they are? 
I mean, did you expect some of these San Francisco ahead of the Dodgers? I mean, did you expect that when the season started? Because everybody, it, it's so, uh, there, there's parody. There's so much parody in baseball, okay? I couldn't tell you, I thought the Dodgers were the best team in baseball uh, when they started out. I don't know who the best team in baseball is now because no one's really showing, uh, I guess the Yankees would be okay once they get going, they're right around 500. Everybody's right around 500. Cincinnati's a game over 500 and they get off to a six and one start. I mean, there's, there's so many teams that just keep losing games. I never seen so many guys pop up, fly out to the outfield. Okay. With a man on third, less than two outs. And I don't know what that rule about putting a guy on second in the next inning game. I don't know who now invented that rule. I mean, that's, that is so stupid. I mean, Babe Ruth must be turning over in his grave. I mean, do, does that make any sense to you? Put a man on second? No, I, it certainly doesn't make sense to me. And you mentioned, Steve, uh, Pete, we are absolutely huge baseball fans on this show. We love baseball. Right. And sure. It does feel like in the last few years, you know, all these sort of rule changes, you've got the, the, the replays, which don't seem to be working at all because they still get the replays wrong. You know, you got guys striking out at historic rates. You got all this stuff that's going on, the, as you mentioned, in the 10th inning, a guy starting at second. I mean, you can't break up a double play. Yeah. Slide into a catcher. You can't pitch inside. Once you pitch inside, they warn you, you throw a ball inside, they kick you out of the game. I mean, who is in charge of these rules? The one rule they haven't changed, and I don't know how they could do it, they had to sit down and think about it. Because the only uh, complaints I get about baseball, and I'm, you know, I live in Vegas, I watch a couple games every day, and I talk to people every day. Uh, when I'm working, I sign autographs five hours a day, 15 days a month. So I talk to a lot of people. One thing they never address is how to speed up the game. The game's too long. Because yeah, yeah. you know why? Because there's too many pitchers changes. Okay. You know, back in my day, a guy would pitch, pitch six or seven, eight innings, bring the closer in and shut the game down. Now you, you try to get these starters to five innings, get them out of there. You got a guy for the sixth. You got a guy for the seventh. You got a guy for the eighth and the ninth. And it don't always work out that way because let me explain something to you. Okay. And you follow this because you guys are fans. Most of the runs scored in baseball today, okay, are sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. Because everybody's got starters, we know that, and everybody's got a closer, we know that. Okay, what is a middle relief pitcher in baseball today? A guy not good enough to close and a guy not good enough to start. So he's got to be on the staff. And when you start making change after change after change, that all slows down the game. I got one remedy to speed up the game. It will cause arguments, okay? Because like I said, I watch two games every night and uh, you guys probably do too. I cannot figure out what the strike zone is. <laughs> every umpire has his own strike zone. Some guys call it from here to here. Some, the, the rule book says from the knee to the armpit. Okay, and they got their they, they, they got their uniforms down over their ankles. Here, here's a remedy to speed up the game. Umpires start calling a lot more strikes. Okay, they want to wear their pants down there, call strikes at their ankle high. See how fast they pull them up. Yeah, Umpires I'll won't call strike. See, let me tell you that when I played, all right, you're sitting in the dugout, the four umpires come from underneath the stadium. There's one with a mask in his hand. 
Okay, right away, I know he's the home plate umpire. Now, right away, because of my experience, I knew, was he a high ball umpire? Was he a low ball umpire? Was he a pitcher's umpire? Was he a hitter's umpire? Was he a good umpire? Was he a bad umpire? I just want him to do what he consistently did every time I seen him before that night. Okay, because at every, every umpire has his own strike zone. He sees it differently. You remember when you guys were too young to know when they used to call the National League, the low ball league and the American League, a high ball league. Well, you know why that happened when it happened? Because in the American League, the umpires wore the big chest protector outside their, their uniform. Okay, and the National League umpire, it, consequently, they had to stand up. So they saw the high ball better than they did the low ball. The National League had the protector underneath their coat. They're down on one knee. They saw the low pitch better than they did the high pitch. But then it become one. Now we're all screwed up with what the damn uh, uh, strike zone is or what, what this umpire strike zone is. It's, it's absolutely, I watch it every night. It's amazing. I mean, I can't figure it out. And I watch time after time, balls right down the middle, ball two, ball three, ball four. I mean, I don't know what the strike zone is, Dan. I was pretty, uh, pretty cool in knowing what the strike zone was when I played. Yeah, I feel like that's a fair criticism, Pete. And, you know, it, I think that's also one of the cool nuances of the game, right, is you know who that home plate umpire is going to be before the game. You know what his strike zone is. And as long as it's consistent, great. You know, you, you, play, you play ball, right? But I guess one of the other things that's been brought up about speeding up the game is, is robot umpires, right, who call it, you know, 100% of the time. What, what, what's your feeling on the robot umpire idea? No, I don't like that. I'll tell you why. Because uh, when I played, you know, I had my arguments with umpires. But umpires are good guys. And believe it or not, I believe umpires are a big part of the game, but they can't be because of society we live in today. Like when I was, when I was playing for the Reds and Al Barlick and Augie Donatelli, two good umpires, when they come into town and for a weekend series, I would always go eat with them on Sunday morning on my way to the ballpark. Now, if we did that today and I was managing the Reds and someone took one right down the middle with bases loaded and they called a ball four, they think the gamblers got to us. So umpires can't be a part of the game like they'd like to be, but we still need umpires, just like we need referees for basketball. We need we need referees for football. We need the guys for hockey. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a judgment call, okay? And some umpires don't have good judgment, but most umpires uh, are pretty correct, but they have so many different replays now. If you miss it by this far, they're going to criticize you. I mean, it's tough. At, at game speed, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, right now, just these, these handful of thoughts you've given us, it's clear like you, you are the master of baseball. And there's a stat that backs that up, which is just the notion that you've been a part of the most wins in MLB history with 1,972 wins. And you've gone on record saying that's your most treasured record. It is. Why, why is it that? Because that's why you play. I just, a guy just sent me today. The guy is second on that list. You know who it is? No. Carl Uskrimski, and he's 250, he's 254 behind me. That's like a full season's worth. Yeah. More no, than a season and a half. What are you talking about? He's played 162 <laughs> games. But, but, but that record to me, it's because I try to tell youngsters every day, the only reason you participate in sports is to win. Don't be a sore loser. Just try to work. To, if you lose, work for the next time you don't lose. Okay. And, and, and that record for me is really a tribute 
to all the great players. Listen to this. <laughs> this is a funny stat. I, I think I'm the only guy who can say this. This is this are guys I played with at one time or another in my career. In other words, they were my teammates. Johnny Bench, Hall of Famer. Mike Schmidt, Hall of Famer. Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer. Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer. Tony Perez, Hall of Famer. Frank Robinson, Hall of Famer. Tim Raines, Hall of Famer. Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer. Right-hand pitcher, Tom Seaver. Left-hand pitcher, Steve Carlton. Every one of the, every position on the diamond was my teammate at one time or another. Think about that. That's pretty difficult to say. That is, and that's a heck of a list of, of Hall of Famers you got there. But Pete, go, take us through youpicktrade.com. Tell us what you're doing with them. So you're offering fans a chance to get daily wagers directly from Charlie Hustle himself. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't bet on the game. I just pick it. Of course, you yeah. Know, guys that want to bet on the game. And yeah. all, all they're doing about calling you pick is using the experience that I have when I sit down and analyze a baseball game. I'm not right all the time. I picked, I picked Atlanta today. They got beat. They got swept by uh, Toronto at home. So, you know, I, I forgot who I picked tonight, but I just picked two or three games. I might throw a basketball game in there. I might throw a hockey uh, a, a game in there because right now the Golden Knights are on fire, you know, going into the playoffs. They're the hottest team in hockey. Fury is unbelievable. We got another shutout last night. Uh, and, you know, and if, you, if you're going to bet on sports, you might as well watch it. If you're going to watch it and you're going to use your, your hard-earned money to bet on it, I, I got some good advice. I don't know everything. I know pretty much about the game of baseball. I follow the game. I know who's hot, who's not, what pitchers pitching good, what pitchers aren't pitching good, what team's good on the road, what team's good at home. You know, what team's good against this division? I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's just not picking a team and another team. You know, me and my son analyze it every night because what else we got to do during this pandemic? That's a good point. Yeah. And you were and just what happens is you call, you pick, and you pay so much a month and you get our information. In other words, if I live in Vegas, I should be called a handicapper because that's what I am. Not a better a handicapper trying to help people who are going to bet trying to help them make money. I won't always be right, but I won't always be wrong. Exactly. You got, they, got, they got a hall of famer, you know, feeding them the, the, the truth to, to, to pick and kind of going off of that. You recently went on Bay area sports radio and you were advocating for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens to be in the hall of fame. And you went on to say that you don't like the current voting system because it lends itself to favoritism and the baseball writers association members can deny voting for a player simply because they just don't like them. Yeah. You know, going off of that, how would you propose to rectify that? You know, well, I, I, that's a good question, but I can't answer it because, listen, <laughs> wouldn't you like to look the guy in the eye that didn't vote for Babe Ruth, <laughs> that did not babe for Joe DiMaggio, didn't, did not vote for Willie Mays? Because only one or two guys got 100% of the vote. Okay. That means somebody didn't vote for Willie Mays. Why? Why would you not vote for Willie Mays for the Hall of Fame? You know, it's, it's just like uh, one time in baseball, they didn't like Ted Williams. So they voted Joe DiMaggio MVP and Ted Williams hit 404. Joe hit 56 in a row that, that year, but still Ted Williams hit 400. Last guy to hit 400, 1941. So uh, there, there's too many guys voting too that don't watch games today, but they're still in the association. I don't know the proper way to, to vote. 
but I don't know what Roger Clemens did. I know he says he didn't take steroids. All I know is he won seven Cy Youngs. I don't know what Barry Bonds did. They're both friends of mine. Okay, I got my own problems. But uh, Barry Bonds was a great player when he was with Pittsburgh. Okay, I mean, it's just the way it is. So uh, I don't think you should have, have a Hall of Fame. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you some other guys, Jim Cott. What's he got, 280 wins, 15 or 16 straight gold gloves? He can't get a smell for the Hall of Fame. Okay, Dave Parker, almost 3,000 hits, batting champion, world champion, gold glove, uh, world champion. I mean, uh, th there's a lot of borderline guys, a lot of borderline guys, and, and uh, now they put some other guys in that don't have stats. I mean, there's some guys that make the Hall of Fame with 22, 2,300 hits. I, can, I don't see how you can make the Hall of Fame with 23, 2,400 hits. When you got another guy that plays, he's got 4,200 hits. Okay? Yeah. It, see, it seems to be I, one half dozen of another, Pete, right? It's just like I'm happy for everybody that's in the Hall of Fame. But I remember year after year, Phil Rizzuto and the Yankees used to argue that he belonged in the Hall of Fame because Pee Wee was in. The other half of the New York shortstops. You, you don't know that, but Phil Rizzuto and the Yankees used to argue Phil belongs in the Hall of Fame because Pee Wee's in. <laughs> not because of his stats. I mean, Phil Rizzuto, when he was on the Yankees, I'm not bad about Phil Rizzuto. It's just like, to be honest with you, I don't know how a couple of years ago uh, that Alan Trammell made it ahead of Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey's got 200 hits six times, a world champion a golden lover. And if I'm not mistaken, when Steve Garvey was on the Dodgers, they were a pretty good team, weren't they? Well, who was, who was the best player on that team? Well, Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. There you go. I mean, I mean he was a better, he, 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 he was a better player than Ron Say, who was a good player than Dusty Baker, than Rick Mundy, than Davey Lopes and Bill Russell, than Steve Yard Yeager. Steve was the best player on the best team. He still don't get no votes for Hall of Fame. I, there are certain guys that just, I, I, I don't understand it. I, and I understand how it works. Let's say you're a voter, okay? And you see the ballot come out. There's names on the ballot. And what you'll do, you'll look at the top name and you'll look at the top name that you're not going to vote for. And you say, well, he'll be, he'll be up there next year, okay? So there never will be and never has been when there's more than 10 deserving of going in the, work, the Hall of Fame. And every ballot is 10 spaces. You understand that? Mm -hmm. Your name's first, my name's third, your partner's name is fourth. We all got one vote. And if you get 70% of the votes, you go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know how a guy goes in the Hall of Fame if he gets 72% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'm saying, and it won't happen, but here's what I'm saying. It probably won't make no sense to you guys, but anytime you have to think about if a guy's in the Hall of Fame, he's not. Yeah. Okay, and every every everybody that goes to the Hall of Fame should get every freaking vote. If you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. Right. Who's to say? Well, he's eighty five percent Hall of Famer. He's ninety six percent Hall of Famer. He's seventy eight percent Hall of Famer. What is all that bullshit about? Okay, if a guy's a Hall of Famer, put his name down. Who cares how many votes he gets? Does that make any sense? Yes, absolutely. Well, Pete, you actually, you hit on a, you, something very interesting, right? I think the Hall of Fame is an inexact science at best, but you just listed 
a name of some incredible players. I want to just shift that really quickly to some of the the new breed, the, the best players of today, right? The Ronald Acuna's of the uh, Acuna Juniors of the world, who I think he got hurt today. Hopefully, yeah, he's yeah. okay. Fernandez <laughs> Jr. You know, and sort of the the narrative surrounding some of these guys, right, is those quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball, right? Too much celebrating, bat flips, this and that. I mean, as a guy in your era who played with the utmost type of hustle, you you took every game like it was Game Seven of the World Series. What do you make of this sort of new breed of superstar, these, these celebrations? Well, uh, here again, guys, here, here, here again, they're, they're, the guys you mentioned, and, and, and include Mookie Betts in that too, okay? But those guys aren't doing well. Those big contract guys aren't doing well. You know, when you make a contract, three or 400 million, you're supposed to do well. Yeah. The only guy with the big contract is doing really well right now is Mike Trout. And people think he's He's the greatest baseball player in baseball today. He might be. But there again, if you enjoyed watching Mike Trout in the World Series. Oh, I wish. He's never been in one. Can't get there. <laughs> yeah. Can I mean, Willie Mays, Willie Mays led his team to the, the promised land. Hank Aaron, not a lot of times, led his team to the World Series. Okay? Joe Morgan led his team to the World Series. Mike Schmidt led his team to the World Series. Great players have a tendency to to get the team over the hump. I'm waiting for Mike Trout to get the team over the hump. It's not his fault, obviously, but most great players make everybody around them better. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the Anaheim or the Angels uh, to start playing good baseball, okay? Because they just lose too many darn games. And it's not because of Marino won't spend the money. Artie will spend the money. Okay, he's already proven that. All right, so I don't, I don't know what to say about it. I just hope that uh, the commissioner understands the problems he has with the game of baseball. Uh, you know, home runs aren't the way to go. All the, all the new ballparks, you guys know this. You go to, you, you ever been to Houston's ballpark? Mm -hmm. I have, yes. That is a, that is, it's a beautiful ballpark, but that ballpark is a joke. That short left field port with the railroad. I feel. Okay. Yeah. Cincinnati. All right. Philadelphia. Camden Yards. The new Atlanta ballpark. What about right center at Yankee Stadium? Was it 350? Yeah, just had a pop fly out there and it carries over. You got all the Yankee players, the judge and Stan, those guys are out there going, trying to hit the ball to right center. It's trying to hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, we do. I never thought I'd ever defend pitchers, guys. But we do everything today for hitters. Umpires won't call strikes. Ballparks are small. And I don't even want to hear the ball's not used. I'll kiss your ass if the ball's not used. I'll kiss your ass if there's not more home runs to today than there was the same date in 2019. We're throwing out last year because of the epidemic. But I'll guarantee there's more home runs. When you start having games where there's 10 home runs, eight home runs, seven home runs, you know, there's something going on. There's something going on with the ball. And don't forget, a couple of years ago, baseball bought Rollins, who makes the ball. So baseball can make the, uh, the ball any way they want it. And they, they, they put some stuff out before the season started that they took a little sting out of the ball. Well, they didn't take any sting out of the ball. I'm watching Acuna. He, Acuna, how you say it? He hits a 460, 470 every time he hits a home run. And he's strong. And he's a good hitter. But you still got he, he, 
in order to be a really good player, okay, you got to do it year after year after year. You got to be consistent. One or two years don't make you a Hall of Famer, okay? Mike Trout has done it seven, eight years. You know, he's on the way to the Hall of Fame. But I'm not putting the rest of these guys in the Hall of Fame just yet. I like Freddie Freeman. I think Freddie Freeman's a hell of a player, a good hitter. You know, he's got a chance to go to the Hall of Fame. But when a guy is less than five years in the league, don't start putting a Hall of Fame tag on him. Because one of the one of the criteria for the Hall of Fame is longevity. Okay? You can't go to the Hall of Fame if you play eight or nine years, uh, ten years. Okay? Uh, most of the guys in the Hall of Fame played 16 to 20 years. And they dominate over that period of time. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, hard, it's hard to be a Hall of Fame anything. Maybe a football player because you get hurt so much. But to play 10 years in the sport and go to the Hall of Fame, because you're not going to have over 2,000 hits if you play 10 years. Because nobody gets 200 hits anymore. You'll get one or two guys might get 200 hits this year. And that's it. But you got how many guys will hit over 35 home runs? We already have three or four guys, uh, 12, 11, 10 home runs. And we just started a month ago. Yeah. So right away, they're thinking 40, 45 home runs. I don't, yeah. give, I don't give a damn how many home runs they hit. I want to I, I know how many games they won. It's just right now when you watch a game, team's losing nine to two. Guy hit a home run in the eighth inning. He'll celebrate going around the bases and celebrate when he gets the home plate. Now he's behind 9-3. Does he know what to – listen, guys, this is funny. I watched games last week. This is no bullshit. I watched games last week, and I watched three games where guys ran off the field, and there was only two outs. They didn't know how many outs there were. That's the God's – I swear to God, it's the God's not the truth. That's, that's, that's how not involved they are in the game. They're running off the freaking field, and there's two outs. Wait a minute, guys. We get three. We get three outs tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could you, I, I ran, I was the first one on the first one off. I had to always know how many outs there was because that would be embarrassing. That would be embarrassing for me to run off the field and there's only two outs. Absolutely. But if you're in the game, you got to know how many outs there are. It, no, definitely. And that makes sense. Is that part of your homework? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the basic. You, got, you guys, you might, you, you might think I'm crazy when I tell you this. No, definitely don't think you're crazy. I mean, you're, you're raising a great point. It's almost like every game this year is like at Coors Field, um, which I'm going to use the transition to – That's where the – thousand feet above sea level. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, you know, they, had, they put the humidor in there for a reason. But Let me ask you, Gurus, a question, okay? Coors Field is 4,000 feet above sea level. What town in baseball, the other 29 teams, has the second highest above sea level? Do you know? Case Field, right, with Arizona? Nope. No. The desert? Is it? Is it Cincinnati? Nope. Goodness. Atlanta. Atlanta. Interesting. Atlanta. Think about it. Atlanta is so high above sea level. There's no oceans close to Atlanta. It's, uh, it's right by the mountains. Oh. That's why they used to call it the launching pad. It was the second highest above sea level team in baseball. You wouldn't ever think that, would you? Home runs go 470 every time, I guess, huh? It's got to help you. I mean, it's got to help you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
Well, Pete, this has been a lot of fun. I want to get you out of here, man, but I do have one last question for you. So last summer we noticed you, you posted a photo of you with Iron Mike Tyson at his birthday party. Now we had, we talked about this offline. We, our good friend, Chris Myers, who's a mutual friend of yours as well. He recently was on our show. He shared some awesome, awesome tales about Iron Mike. How did you get to know him? And, you know, with all that time in Vegas, just a couple of legends, just hanging out for brunch every so often. What's, what's your relationship with him? We got the same agent. The same agent. There it is. Ryan Fetterman from Houston. So my, we always go to shows together. And Mike's a great guy, by the way. I mean, Mike's a great guy. I mean, uh, you know, Mike, uh, he met my grandsons and he was delightful to my grandsons. You know, Mike loves kids. You know, Mike's like everybody else. People take shots at him, but yet he's a nice guy. And, you know, he was a great champion when he fought. Yes, he was. And I don't know if I'd get a tattoo where everybody would recognize me. <laughs> the good thing about the pandemic is we all wear masks now. So I walk around town and you'd be surprised how many people know me by my eyes <laughs> because I got this damn mask on. How do you reckon? How do you, if I walked in, how would you recognize if I'm like this right now? <laughs> it's funny guys we live in a strange world but uh I, I pray that baseball gets it turned around and baseball becomes uh number you know our number one sport again it's always been our national pastime uh you think it's our national pastime now I have to put you guys on the spot. Well, it's tough to say. I, I grew up as a baseball fan. I played baseball all the way through through high school. I still believe it is, but I, I certainly see how sort of that younger generation is kind of faltering off. I, I think baseball personally has done a, a poor job sort of marketing it and making the game sort of. I, I, I got a son that's in T-ball, or grandson, excuse me. A son. I got a grandson that's in T-ball, and even in T-ball, not him, but even in T-ball now, kids this big on the tee, or dropping her back foot trying to get that elevation. It's a problem. It is a problem. Yeah. It is a problem. You see it in high school. You see it in college. I mean, Ty Cobb would turn over if he was playing today. Babe Ruth would turn over. And by the way, Babe Ruth's the greatest player ever to play the game of baseball, I think. Because Babe Ruth did something that Michael Jordan couldn't do to basketball. Wayne Gretzky couldn't do in hockey. And, and uh, uh, the quarterback you know, couldn't do it in football. Okay, Brady. And that Babe Ruth, by going to this town or that town in the 20s after the Black Sox scandal, they sold out every ticket, enabled all those franchises to grow. He saved the game. That's why I say Babe Ruth is the greatest player ever. There you have it. Well, that was brilliant. Pete Rose, thank you so much, sir. This was, this was an absolute blast. We could probably go a full hour with you, but I want to be respectful of your time. Also, be sure my, to our listeners, got to check out youpicktrade.com. Get some picks straight from Charlie Hustle himself. Pete, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. I could do three hours with you guys. Hey, man, we'll have you back anytime. You got an open invitation, my friend. Continue success, guys. Thank you. So much. Take care. Thank you so much. All right, we are back. And our special thanks to Pete Rose. My goodness, that was an interview above all interviews. Talking Hall of Fame, masking up, homers and strikeouts, stadium elevation. And Andrew, I don't know about you, my man was blowing up over there. Hopefully that wasn't the Hall of Fame calling. I mean, I think he may not be in the MLB Hall of Fame, but that was a Hall of Fame interview. I mean, anytime Pete Rose at any point tells you that he will kiss your ass, it's 
Might as well just go home. Sorry, guys. I, I think I just have to leave the podcast today. Yeah, we're about to hang him up after this episode. That's all she wrote. We got Pete Rose to say he's going to kiss our ass. But don't forget, youpicktrade.com. Uh, Follow them on Twitter at youpicktradebets. For just 89 bucks a month, you get, you get Pete Rose's daily picks for an entire month. You get up to one to six picks per day. Pete will rank his picks from one to five stars based on confidence. You'll get picks from Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, NFL, golf, tennis, even the major horse races directly from the Hit King. So definitely be sure to check out youpicktrade.com. And Charlie Hustle is going to take care of you and maybe win you some money. So uh, let's move into, you know what, Andrew, he mentioned a few good things, right? I mean, there was, it was so much good stuff. But one thing that we didn't really get to, and it's kind of just, it's part of, where the game has gone to today, right? You've got the the all or nothing hitters, the stri- strikeouts are up across the board. Uh, home runs, of course, are up across the board, but we're five weeks into the season. We've already had four no hitters, five if you count Madison Bumgarner's seven, in- seven inning no-no a couple weeks back. We've got, I, I did a quick, just little check into the stats because you know I'm a stat nerd, but this is the lowest league-wide batting average, 234 since 1901. And check this, the most no-hitters in a single season in Major League Baseball history was eight. That's 1884. We are five weeks into the season and we're already halfway to the record. I mean, what, what are we even doing? It's, this is borderline unwatchable baseball. It's a new breed, all or nothing. It's excruciating. How does baseball fix this issue? And can they? Yeah, it's almost like baseball heard all the complaints that it wasn't interesting to watch anymore. Like, you thought it wasn't interesting yet? Hold my beer. Hold direction. Um, my beer. Yeah, it's like every team is just trying to be the Colorado Rockies this season. No, um, yeah, I, I think that you just look back at it. What's kind of been thrown out in the media recently is just the, the disparity between it's either a home run or a strikeout. And that's the only thing I can think of that you can specifically point to and say maybe there's just more of an aggressive mentality. And obviously, like, it's really hard to hit a home run in baseball. So maybe it's just it's more of a we're not going to settle for for playing kind of the more conservative way where it's getting on base at all costs. and. You know, it's like the NBA, they're just like, hey, a home run scores more than a single, three-pointers more than a two, so let's just do that. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I've been intuitively watching games, like, all the time, but just as far as I can tell, I think that's got to be one of the reasons to blame. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pete Rose even said as much, right, guys don't get paid to hit home runs, and at the risk of disagreeing with one of the greatest ever, I do have to disagree slightly. I do think guys now are getting paid to hit home runs, and you got guys who, and it doesn't matter if they're hitting 220 and they strike out 200 times a year, as long as they're putting 35 dingers on the board, I mean, they're going to get paid. They're going to have a contract. Their, their livelihood career is going to continue, and, you know, Pete Rose said something very interesting offline too. He's got a grandson who's in T-ball. Even the T-ball kids are leaning their shoulders back, going for that launch angle, trying to hit bombs. And it's, it's pervasive through T-ball, little league, high school, college. I mean, this is, this is something that has sort of pervaded the, every single level of baseball. So it's something where, yeah, you know, the old saying goes, chicks dig the long ball, but they certainly don't dig, you know, 50 strikeouts a game and no balls in play right there's you know two home runs and it's a two to two to nothing game like that is just it's bad baseball it's bad tv and it's bad for the league no yeah i agree i mean i think at the it's 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 ironic too because they're trying to hit more home runs theoretically making it more exciting and instead they're just striking out more and it's even less exciting and we're sitting here complaining about it because of it so yeah it's gross it's gross 
Well, let's look at the other big story of baseball this week. The Oakland A's, they announced this week they're exploring relocation. Apparently, Major League Baseball had a call uh, with the powers that be over at the the A's facility and basically told them uh, defecate or get off a latrine, if you will. Pretty much, hey, build a new stadium that you've been talking about for 10 years or get the hell out of Oakland. And uh, as a nod to our boy, Charlie Hustle, looks like one of the top cities in that relocation market would be Vegas. And listen, I grew up, I'm not an A's fan, but I grew up closer to the A's park than the Giants. And I went to a lot of games with my dad at, at, uh, at the Coliseum. And yeah, it's, it's certainly not, uh, not a place you're going, you know, to be in the lap of luxury, but it's a great place to watch a baseball game. I certainly don't want to see them leave, but, you know, what do you think about a Las Vegas A's? type scenario I mean I kind of I kind of love it I mean I think obviously the the Oakland Athletics are a very historic franchise a lot of history and a lot of success and it's you know like that would be hard to see because they're so iconically tied to the city of Oakland but when you think of Las Vegas like they're going to get a baseball team at one point whether it's the A's or an expansion team in the future and what's really fun for me was like Vegas has shown that they will embrace the team as soon as they get there and there could not be a more disparity in the in the situation from going to Oakland, where they're barely supported, to Vegas, where they'd be met with open arms, and it'd be going from this conservative kind of, you know, literally the money ball franchise to they could go to Vegas and they'd be like wheeling and dealing. I would love to see a franchise like Oakland go to Vegas and you get, you know, they don't have to be an expansion team that has to set up operations and get going. They could just roll right into it and you know, as much as I never want to give the Raiders any credit, they could take a ticket out of their book and fall, you know, with them. And I, I think that that would low key be a really good move for them. But I also see that the, the benefit of them staying in Oakland and kind of maintaining the history they've built there. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like Vegas is prime uh, to take on, a, you know, a, a, that sort of next level in a sports town, right? They, they've got the Raiders now. Apparently, there were some talks of where they build a new stadium for the A's. If they came, it would be on the grounds of the Rio, which, good riddance, if you've been to the Rio, no need for that to be around. But, uh, you know, it, it, it'd be a shame to see them leave Oakland, uh, especially, you know, just with in terms of the money ball and everything that, that Billy Bean put together. Um, you know, but I guess in that, in that same vein, Vegas seems to fit uh, Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt a little bit better. So I guess we'll see. I hope they don't leave Oakland, but I guess anything's possible. And if Oakland can't, you know, get out of their own way and build a new stadium, then it's time to go. Because that, that team, the fan base, even who knows if that fan base will travel, but they certainly deserve better than what they're getting right now. Uh, Andrew, let's flip over to the NFL. And I, oh God, I love this story. I love the story so much. Tim Tebow is going to sign with the Jaguars as a tight end. Now, obviously, one of the most celebrated players in college football history. We all saw him try to play quarterback for the Denver Broncos and the Jets. Um, I guess over, I'm almost at a loss for words, right? I think I know what you're going to say in terms of is this a good signing or not, but certainly a lot of reaction from the players around the league is certainly negative even within the own the Jaguars organization one of my favorite tweets was Devin Bush from the Steelers who said he tweeted quote Tebow got a job before Kaepernick wait till we play Jacksonville with a bunch of z z z emojis like he's gonna knock him out now Andrew I saw I remember I don't know if you've you've ever seen this clip but when he was with the Jets they decided he certainly couldn't play quarterback which I don't know why it took so long they put him on the punt team as somebody who could try to pick up, a, you know, an incoming blocker and some like cornerback, and he got pushed back about 15 yards in the backfield. Now, how on earth, let alone trying to catch passes, which there's a bevy of uh, awesome videos if you're trying to look for Tebow trying to catch a pass, it's not pretty. It's almost uglier than him trying to throw one. But 
how on earth is this guy going to pick up, you know, a blitzing linebacker or a DN trying to play tight end, let alone trying to catch some balls from Trevor Lawrence? Oh, he won't. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to yep. be on the team for training camp and he's going to end the season being Urban Meyer's get back coach. You know, the guy who's there on the sidelines to pull him back when he's angry. Um, I mean, like, I honestly think this move was Disney went to Urban Meyer and said, we need a real life third act for the eventual movie we make about Tim Tebow. So put him on the roster for a training camp. I mean, this is the like, and this is coming from a guy who is a Broncos fan through and through. And that miracle season that he had with us will always endear him to me for better or worse. I mean, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen, arguably in sports. But this is just, it's a joke at this point. I mean, this guy has lived the weirdest sports career I can ever imagine. Like if you had told me he's going to go from being uh, a Heisman football winner, he's going to win multiple championships at Florida to be like the worst quarterback you've ever seen in the NFL, but still won a playoff game over the Steelers and then go play minor league baseball for the Mets and then go be the fourth string tight end on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just like, you literally cannot make this up that the most highest paid storytelling minds in Hollywood could not make this up. It's, I just, I mean, that's my reaction. It's just disbelief and he's not going to make the team. So it's just fodder for us to talk about. Ultimately, it's just absurd. Yeah. It's like a bad sequel for Rudy. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, certainly speaks to just how much urban Meyer loves Tim Tebow and how much pull he has within that organization. I can only imagine him sitting down with the GM and the president and say, Hey, you know, you know who I really think we can put us over the top here at tight end Tim fricking Tebow. I mean, I cannot see this working. I really, really hope he makes a team because that will certainly be a story really for the entire season. We could just make fun of him, but I really think at the end of the year, he's going to devolve into probably leading the prayer circle for the Jaguars as they go two and 15 now, because we've got yeah. seven games, but hey, let's talk about a real NFL story. And it's the NFL schedule release. All right. The NFL does it again. They commandeered NBA playoff talk and it'll be interest anything with the uh, Medina spirit juicing up in the Kentucky Derby with the wholly uneventful schedule release. Right. And they went even further this year by allowing their partners to quote unquote leak the week one matchups before the official release on the morning shows. Everybody's talking about week one, even a day before the schedule gets released. I mean, the schedule is what it is. It's going to be the schedule. It's always going to be the schedule. We've got four or five months to ramp up for it yet. They make an entire evening out of it. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, you know, is there anything the NFL can't or won't do to solicit eyeballs at this point? No, and I just want to add one more thing about Tebow real quick. You you meant you joked about him leading the prayer circle. I'm telling you, he's going to be the team chaplain. And he's going to be the next Nick Easterby. He's going to be running the Jaguars next season. You heard it here first. He's going to be, right. you know, doing that. He's going to trade Trevor Lawrence for a pack of Skittles. Good. Maybe we'll see him on the next season of the Righteous Gemstone. That'd be something. Exactly. But to go back to your, your question, yeah, they're going to – like they, they had both the NFL Network and ESPN have specials the schedule release four months before the actual season starts and what's crazy to me is i knew the entirety of my team's schedule well before the special because they were leaked all day not just the week one matchups i mean yes i want to know who my team's playing but all it really requires is that bleeder that bleacher report notification saying all right the schedule's out you take 20 seconds to look at it that's it you don't need an hour-long sports center special though i will say the Peyton Manning being an intern with the Broncos video, if you haven't seen that, where he announces the schedule is pretty good. So if that's the only positive of the day, then I'm fine with it. I will say, yeah, I mean, that is that is maybe one positive. I didn't see the Peyton Manning video, but yeah, a, a special shout out to the Carolina Panthers uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to have it 
kind of figured out. They've had they had a lot of fun, got a lot of pub last week last year with uh, a lot of the stuff that they were doing, and certainly this year with with their uh, schedule release video. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out on Twitter. It's actually pretty interesting. Also, George Kittle did one for the Niners, which is hilarious. Uh, and I'm yeah, I'm being a homer, but it actually is great. Also, on the other side of that coin, the Falcons, uh, which just makes me LOL so much. Obviously, all the talk around Julio Jones being moved. The Falcons did their special team release, and they put about six or seven players up there, and Julio Jones is absolutely nowhere to be found. So certainly seems like he's as good as gone. Nice job, Atlanta. Yeah, no, the, the Panthers one is – I'm, I'm in Charlotte this week, so I can, like, put on my Panthers homer hat this week. It's pretty iconic. They had Adam Sandler wearing – a different wardrobe to represent each of the different teams. He's wearing a purple jacket when they play the Vikings and in each of them, he looks like so out of it. He doesn't look like he knows what's going on. And so it, it was just, it was, uh, it's, it, you can't believe they found 17 of those pictures to put together. I mean, I can't, I mean, any picture of Adam Sandler looks like he literally just, he was doing laundry day. Right. And you got, you got one t-shirt and maybe some boots and some like long cutoff jeans that it's the last thing you got in your closet. That's clean that you haven't worn in eight years. And you just, bust it out and wears it to a premiere or whatever but yeah that that was uh that was at least a, a a highlight of what was really kind of just a drudgery of this schedule release I mean anybody can see it it's not very exciting but you know if you want to stay tuned for my Twitter I'll I'll tweet out I'll, I'll leak out what I'm gonna have for breakfast uh t- tomorrow morning and you know get everybody really talking but Andrew we've got multiple dudes and duds of the week so I want to get into that who's your who's your first dude of the week my man Oh, my dude of the week is uh, because this is a very baseball themed episode. I want to give a shout out to uh, Nolan Arenado because, you know, I don't talk about Denver sports enough on here. Why are you doing this to yourself? I just want to give him a shout out for making the Rockies look like even more of a fool of a franchise. And they normally look when he hit the go ahead home run in their series over the past weekend. And I mean, th- that trade just with each and each day is going to go down. as probably the worst trade in baseball history. I mean, I know Babe Ruth was traded to the to the Yankees from the Red Sox, but this is gonna this is gonna top that. Yeah, um, as, uh, as Pete Rose would say, uh, <laughs> Ruth would be turning over. He would be turning over with that trade, and made only worse by the day. Uh, yeah, my first dude of the week is Blake Griffin, and listen. Blake Griffin gets a lot of flack, and I think a lot of it's deserved. I actually like him. I've had a chance to meet him a couple times. I think he's a really good dude. He was a great player in his own right, certainly kind of finding a new life here in in Brooklyn. But last night, my man went with McLovin sneakers in the game, and it is absolutely incredible. It had the baby blue, which is always a great look, plus the Hawaii ID. If I had to have a criticism of of him, though, he had the Hawaii ID with Blake's own photo in there. I mean, Blake, if you're going to go McLovin, please go full McLovin and put that goofball's face on there. I mean, you have to do it, but I will give him credit. That is, that is some unique, cool sneaker fodder. It looks great. It's awesome. Good on you, Blake Griffin. The only thing that would have been better. Or you want to go duds, my man. I mean, I want to go, I'll do one more dude because we have a couple of people. I'd say the only thing better with Blake Griffin is if he could have got Katie and Kyrie to be uh, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader from Superbad. <laughs> And you know, and then they go shoot the cop car afterwards in the parking lot. That would have been Michael Sarah and and uh, and your your boy. Uh, why why is his name escaping? Jonah Hill. Yeah, we. Hill, there he is. James Harden could be Jonah Hill in a second. Come James on, James Harden could be Jonah Hill. Yeah, absolutely. With the little curl. Taking some tips from him when he was trying to get out of Houston, he put on some pounds real quick. <laughs> um, but no, the other dude of the week. In all seriousness, this is kind of sad. Um, it's just Colt Brennan passed away this week. He's a former Heisman finalist. Um, what are you looking at me, Ryan? There's two dudes on the week. That's and- my dude. I put it in, bro. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
Uh, uh, we are hijacking live on air here. Okay. Yeah, okay. So Colt Brennan, for those of you who don't know, he was a Heisman finalist back in, a, in the mid-2000s, and he lit it up. Joe Burrow's record that he set two years ago was he, he beat Colt Brennan's when he was in Hawaii. And, I mean, the that offense he ran with June Jones, they would just score touchdown every play, it felt like. And it was in Hawaii. It's a lot of fun. I mean, he was just so much fun to watch. And yeah, you would never think a player from the University of Hawaii would actually be in New York at the Heisman ceremony, but there he was. Um, so rest in peace, Colt. It's 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 a tough way to go out, but hey, man, you you left your mark on the sport for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, Andrew, if you're Pete Rose and I'm Ray Fossey, because you absolutely trucked me at home plate on that one. But yeah, just to add to that, look, Cole Brennan, you know, I, certainly is a guy who had his demons, but he was a guy who who was really the first quarterback that really changed kind of the game for me, just in terms of how a quarterback would look right the face mask the visor the bleached hair the guy's got the sidearm sling he's throwing for 500 yards five tds a game under that june jones system i mean he was basically a walking creative player it's pretty much exactly how i would create myself in every madden and ncaa football game that's how colt brennan looked he was awesome he was so fun to watch such a such a fun fun player he had a cup of coffee in the nfl certainly had some you know some things that, that took place car crash that uh, left him with the brain injury and you know he's had he's had he's fought uphill really for the last decade or so. Um, but I, I choose to remember him as that, that kind of guy who kind of changed the game in terms of quarterback swag. So yeah, RIP 15, so, so sad. Uh, best, best to his family and his friends. But um, let's move on from that and uh, give me one more dud. I know you got one more, Andrew. Oh, I have the, the biggest dud of since we started this show in the sense of the most angry I've been at any single individual. Even and I actually no no the Brett Favre was the biggest dud. This is the second biggest dud, um, and it's 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 very petty. But Nick Wright, dude, you suck. You are the worst talk show personality out there, and I mean that. Skip Bayless looks like a Pulitzer Prize winner compared to you. And and for those of you who don't know why I'm so angry, he went on on TV last week and basically said not only should Chris Paul be better than or Nicole Jokic in the MVP race, but then he went on to say Nicole Jokic would be the worst MVP winner in almost 40 years, which is absolute nonsense. Like I get, I'm a homer, I'm biased against the guy, but he's on pace to have a top five to 10 center career all time. And I know like that's been a lot of pushback throughout his career, but each year he has shown, he is one of the defining players of the era. And just because he doesn't look like your quintessential NBA superstar, a lot of these media personalities don't want to talk about him. And guess what? On Instagram afterwards, because he was receiving so much criticism, flat out said that. He said, I don't talk about him because he's not interesting. Not because it's my journalistic job to talk about the best player in the NBA this season. LeBron's the best player in the NBA, but this season it's Jokic. And he flat out said, I'm not going to talk about him because I don't want to. Nick Wright, you, uh, I don't want to cuss and say anything, but like, that's what I'm thinking. You clown show, this absolute clown show. Yeah, well, Nick Wright has certainly never been one to uh, shy away from a strong opinion, but... I do agree with you, Andrew. I, I, I know uh, how, how deeply uh, that hurts you, but yeah, I, it's the complete opposite. Nikola Jokic is one of the most interesting MVP candidates of all time. I mean, the guy looks like he just housed, you know, a couple burgers and a dozen donuts, and then he goes out there and goes for 45 and 10 and, you know, maybe eight. Uh, I think he's one of the most interesting ones of all time, but I understand uh, where, where your hatred is coming from there for Nick Wright, but I'm going to wrap this thing up with a couple duds. My first dud, we mentioned the NFL schedule release. Tom Brady senior was quoted this, uh, I think today as saying he was quote salivating over the week four Bucks Pats, Bucks Pats matchup. Now 
regardless of that matchup, yeah, I think everybody's pretty excited to see Brady go against his old team, but I, Brady Senior, you need to relax. I don't need to hear anything about a 77-year-old man salivating over anything that's honestly just gross. And then my second dud is the NCAA. They've done it again. They canceled the NCAA Women's Golf Tournament in Baton Rouge this week because the course was, quote, playable, but not championship playable. And now if you see a lot of players there who were there this weekend, they, they tweeted out uh, pictures of the course. I mean, the course is beautiful. Yeah, they had some rain. There's some, you know, a little bit of standing water in some of the sand traps. But I mean, it basically looks like any course you, you or I would pay 200 bucks to be able to play. The NCAA just basically just said, ah, screw it. You know, we don't care about NCAA women's golf and we're just going to cancel the whole thing. So NCAA, you guys just keep doing it again. And I, Really, I just I have to respect just the villainy that the NCAA continues to protrude every single day in every single event. They have a chance to, you know, maybe maybe sort of revise their image. They just they go deeper and deeper into the hole. So good on you, NCAA. You you are just the absolute worst. But that's all the time we have today. That's the walk ons. Our special thanks to our man, Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle. That was such a fun interview. And again, don't uh, don't forget to check out youpicktrade.com. That's just u p i c t r a d e dot com, and get some get some uh, some bets directly from Charlie Hustle himself. And win some money. All right, that's it for the walk-ons. We're done. The walk-ons.